1: Welcome into the 18th episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick, here along with Chris Whittingham. You can find us on iTunes if you're an Apple person. Stitcher, if you have Android, we're also available on Google Play. Make sure after you listen to the episode to subscribe so that you get future episodes and to go through our library because several recent episodes we've done still stand up. One of the things that we've been doing on the podcast is adding experts To sit in with us for 40 or 45 minutes, today we have formerly of ESPN.com, also formerly of the Miami Herald, now the Grind City Media Senior Editor at Grizzlies.com. He moved up to Memphis, left us a couple years ago. We used to do a radio show together. Mike Wallace. Mike, thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, listen, man. Look, look. The people wanted jazz music to be played as I came in, <laughs> and you guaranteed that jazz music would be played when I came in. So I need my Sade. Y'all gotta bring me in on my Sade. Nah, what's going on, fellas? Good to see you guys. Uh,
1: good. It was it was hard enough to get you on Skype, so we're uh, <laughs> we
2: we take care of. Uh, I, take I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. and pull it up here on my phone. Can I just like hold it up to the microphone? Would that be okay?
0: <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> good to be go. with.
1: You guys, man. All right, uh, your voice will have to provide the jazz here in this particular scenario. Uh, there we go. I don't know if I can do the entire episode to that. So, what we're going to talk about today? We're going to do a little NBA, you know, as we tend to do here on the program. We tended to be what dominated our show on the radio, and what we're going to get into is who is next. Among NBA players to be the face of the league. I mean, clearly, whether or not you think that James Harden is the MVP this year, or whether or not you're a Warriors fan and are partial to Durant and Curry, it's pretty clear that LeBron James has been the face of the NBA for more than a decade, and that continues. He's still either one or two in jersey sales, depending on what month you check, and obviously his worldwide reach, and then everybody waiting to see what he's going to do this summer, whether he leaves Cleveland or whether he stays there. So let's just go with the assumption that LeBron remains the face of the NBA, the most important player in the NBA Who among the young guys in the league is going to be the one to take that mantle from LeBron when he finally starts to fade out? may not be for another couple of years. He told me once that he wanted to play until he was 40. That would leave another seven years here. But still, at some point, it's going to be... Someone else. So, we're going to go through a few names here and make the case for some of these guys. And we, we also um, encourage you, if you want to, and we'll give out the Twitter feeds later, to give your own suggestions in terms of who you think it's going to be. So, let's start here with our first guy. And it's a guy who's been unbelievable lately, carrying the Pelicans towards even possibly a three seed in the Western Conference. And that's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, now second in the league in scoring. He's been doing this without Boogie Cousins over the past month. Player of the month in the NBA, in the Western Conference, and obviously a guy who can do a little bit of everything and is, is, I think, finally starting to get the notoriety for being a top three, top four player in the league. The question has always been, could he stay healthy? What do you think the chances, Mike, are of of Anthony Davis being that next face for the league?
0: You know, it seems like, Ethan, that Anthony's name has been out there for five, six, seven years now as the next up-and-coming transcended uh, superstar in terms of the way he plays. We still don't know much about his personality. We still don't know much about what he's passionate about outside of the court of basketball. And he's also playing in New Orleans, which is one of the smaller markets, five smallest markets in the NBA. So, you know, to to do what LeBron James has done, and and as we get deeper into the discussion, uh, some of these things will come to the forefront, but it's just, it's got to be more than just basketball. It's got to be more than just you know your presence on the court, and you got to be socially aware. You have to be, you know, almost that magnetic force when it comes to fans. I don't know many fans who hate Anthony Davis. You know what I'm saying? In terms of rooting interests, um, LeBron certainly is polarizing. I don't know if Anthony Davis is that. Obviously, his game, he can do everything and anything on the court. But from a from a, he, he has to lift New Orleans out of the first round of the playoffs. I think. Uh, before he can uh, sort of comfortably step into those shoes.
2: Yeah, I think w- w- one of the things with Anthony Davis, you mentioned, you mentioned it, Wallace, which is the kind of longevity with which he's been on the precipice, right? So he's been on the precipice for five years now, and I think the rest of the league just kind of moved on. And I think it is for the reasons that Wallace stated, which is that he doesn't really have very much of a personality, And his game isn't really geared towards a social media era. Really, the only thing that he's done recently that has really garnered attention are these insane stat lines. But his performances in and of themselves, they're tremendous basketball performances and he's an immensely skilled player, but it really isn't until he puts up 53 points, 18 rebounds, 5 blocks, and 3 assists in a win over Phoenix that it really gets any kind of attention. So I think... His is probably the game that has now become underrated because he isn't a star for any of the reasons that we think of stars, right? He's only famous because of the hair between his eyes. (laughs) And he he doesn't really have anything else going for him that really garners him that much attention.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what Mike's talking about here as far as being someone who is somewhat polarizing. And Anthony Davis is about the least polarizing guy you could imagine in the league. You're right. I mean, he, he isn't really known... For anything that he's said, I mean, he seems to be someone who does the right things, uh, you know, bright kid and all, all of that. But he hasn't really stepped out of that shadow, and I think a lot of it does have to do with New Orleans. Although we we saw that Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, which is a similar market to New Orleans in terms of uh, market size and being sort of out of the mainstream of you know what the national networks would what place in national networks would typically look to, that Kevin Durant's personality came through. When he was in Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook's personality has come through in Oklahoma City. So it's got to be more than just that. I think the other thing that's, that's working against Anthony Davis is that I, I do think it's harder for a big guy to be the face of the league. And, and not that LeBron is not a big guy at six foot eight. But I think it's, it's different when you're talking about a power forward or center. I mean, in recent years, we've seen Shaq kind of become that, and he was larger than life. But but I think typically it's a little bit more difficult for somebody like Anthony Davis, who is hard to emulate in any way, right? Like if you're a kid, like emulating the things that Anthony Davis does, it's kind of difficult to do that. So I think for all of those reasons, it's tough. But I do think if you look at the players we're going to talk about on this list, you could make the argument that he's the most multi-skilled. I guess Giannis, who we're going to talk about, would be one that would be in that conversation. But as far as Anthony Davis's ability to do everything inside outside offense defense play it from various spots on the floor he's developed more of a post game all of those elements that he is you know he's someone who who can do everything but you're right mike i think some of it does come down to some of the off the court stuff
0: yeah and i think that's what makes uh, lebron lebron i mean we all know that he had sort of a transcendent game we've heard about him since he was you know, 8th, ninth, 10th grade uh, in high school, obviously the Sports Illustrated cover that goes all the way back there. But I think another characteristic, and we probably, uh, you know, not to oversimplify it, but <laughs> – You also have to have your own shoe. I think that's important, too. you got to have something that fans can say, you know what, I'm wearing this. I mean, we know Steph Curry has his shoes. They aren't the most popular, um, but Steph Curry is out there. Um, Russell Westbrook is part of the Jordan family, and I think Westbrook's personality in Oklahoma City, Ethan, to speak to your example, came through far more than Kevin Durant's. We really didn't know what Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant was truly about until he made the polarizing jump from Oklahoma City to uh, to Golden State. So I would think Russell Westbrook is probably closer when it comes to MVP status, obviously, uh, sort of a polarizing figure you either love or you hate him in terms of fan interest. And, and just the fact that all the things that Russell Westbrook is doing off the floor, too. You know, in terms of establishing the reading programs all over the country and in Oklahoma City, he sort of become adopted by Oklahoma City in a way that that you know the people in Northeast Ohio sort of embrace LeBron. We just don't hear about it as much because Russell Westbrook isn't all about social media when it comes to that standpoint.
2: I think the other thing too that can't be ignored is we talk about market, but we haven't talked about organization. And I think the fact that until Boogie, he was never paired with a superstar teammate that was even close to his quality, and that you mentioned it, Wallace, in terms of. His team's never reaching, you know, far into the playoffs. They got swept by the Warriors, and it was like, oh, they did really well to compete with them. Well, he's never played on a, on a really good team. Even now, we, even with Boogie, you know, it's him and Drew Holiday and a bunch of guys that are just kind of also-rans in the NBA, and I think... Being on a team that at least is in the conversation, that at least is kind of doing significant things, is a huge part of developing stardom in the NBA. Because, uh, yeah, you, you know, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant played on the same team, but they were also growing together as a team and going to the finals as a team and kind of being in that conversation. Anthony Davis has never been in the conversation, and and, and I think to to add that with all the other things that we've mentioned so far, I think that's probably one of the reasons why it goes under the radar if a trade it ends up happening at some point where he goes to another team to pair with somebody else's superstar I think his profile instantly rises and he becomes one of the more sort of notable faces in the league beyond just these stat lines in New Orleans oh that's why a hey, trade bo- before, before we
0: move on to some other names Ethan I just want to hear Whittingham say Boogie one more
2: time boogie. <laughs> I just
0: love the way he properly says Boogie
2: <laughs> yeah, yes he is uh, Boogie
1: Cousins the fourth i I think we need some jazz in there uh so (laughs) but but you know that you mentioned a trade chris and i think that one of the places that has been rumored for anthony davis if danny ainge wants to give up more of his assets is boston and that would be an interesting place for him in terms of his profile because i mean clearly it would increase uh his profile in terms of playing for a franchise that can win a championship no question about that but he'd also be there most likely with Kyrie Irving and with Gordon Hayward and uh, you know the question would be would he stand out playing with those two guys especially somebody who in with Kyrie who is so ball dominant right and like so much of Kyrie's game and we're going to talk about him a little later too but so much of Kyrie's game is based on the ball being in his hands all the time to make play would Anthony Davis sort of jump out there and become the face of the league in that type of situation and i think that's one of the things to consider if he ended up you know with a franchise where he was clearly the best guy the ball was going to him and they were competing for a championship i think it would be easier for him to do that but you know i mean we're at the point now with anthony davis where he's having the season now especially the last two months that i think we were waiting for over the past couple of years when he wasn't able to stay healthy i mean right now he's he's averaging 28.1 points a game Fifty-four percent from the floor, thirty-five percent from three, 82 percent from the line, eleven rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game, one and a half steals a game, two and a half blocks a game. I mean, <laughs> that's a crazy, crazy stat line that he's that he's putting up. And so, you know, if he continues to do that, if he can win. I think the other thing, guys, is getting to the three or four seed in the Western Conference, which we'll have to see what happens with the Spurs, with Kawhi back potentially and and that. But if he can win a playoff series and be dominant in that playoff series, I think that helps make the case for him. The problem is when they made the playoffs a couple years ago, they got Golden State in the first round, and so they were out pretty quickly no matter what his numbers were. So I think a lot of it will play into that. Let's get to the second guy here, someone who is third in the NBA in scoring. He's a year younger then Anthony Davis at 23 years old, and and I'm gonna allow, uh, Winning, I'm gonna allow you to pronounce the last name here because I I still don't do it properly. Giannis Antetokounmpo. There you go, very nicely done. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 so Giannis right now averaging 27.2 points a game, shooting 53% from the field. Still not really a three point shooter, averaging 29% from three. But the other numbers, averaging more than 10 rebounds, averaging five assists per game, one-and-a-half steals, one-and-a-half blocks per game. Milwaukee is in the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. This is an interesting one for me, guys, too, because I, I you mentioned that nobody has a negative opinion of Anthony Davis. Nobody has a negative opinion of Giannis. I, 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 <laughs> I just sense that, right? I mean, how, how do you not like the kid? I mean, he came in totally, it seemed innocent, right, accepting of sort of everything about the NBA, put in the work. I mean, even – you know we we see so many guys who are perceived as coach killers in the NBA he had a coach in Milwaukee who probably deserved to get fired in Jason Kidd and Giannis was the one sticking up for his coach when his coach was on the way out you know after uh, after Kidd was fired i mean Giannis you know reportedly was was making a push for Kidd to stay so i mean there are no sort of bad marks against Giannis's record right now i think the, the one thing that, that could hurt him a little bit as far as being face of the league is that we really haven't had a foreign-born pl- player be the face of the NBA in any significant way. I mean, I guess you could say Akeem. Other than that, I mean, we've seen Dirk, guys like Dirk break through, Pau Gasol break through, Ginobili, others. But, but to be the face of the NBA and have it not be an American-born player I think is one thing that he might have to overcome.
0: And I think that's tough to, uh, to, to underscore what you're saying. Not only that, he also didn't play college, where Akeem at least played collegially at Houston and got to the Final Four. So he we, we are we already sort of knew who Akeem was uh, 30, 35 years ago coming into the league when he came into the league and how he came into the league. So Giannis sort of caught guys by surprise. I mean, he wasn't one of the top five picks. Um, he went sort of later to, in, in the lottery or towards the second half of the lottery, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember I, I was talking to um, – Chris Wallace, you know, one of the GMs, the Grizzlies GM in the league. And he was telling me that Giannis Giannis basically was playing in what what would amount to like semi-pro and pro leagues since he was like 13 years old. So the scouting community knew that this was this freakish guy that was on his way up and he was already gangly and sort of did different things. Uh, with the basketball. But I think one, one other thing that might slight, slightly count against him is that not everyone can pronounce his name. His last name is not as easily pronounceable. But I had two or three coaches also tell me that preparing to defend Giannis is the closest thing that they've had to do uh, in terms of stressfulness as it was trying to defend LeBron James. Just because of Giannis's ability to take the ball off the defensive glass, go coast to coast, and strike fear in your heart in transition because you just never know what he's capable of doing. So we're talking about a comparison with LeBron right there. A lot of coaches in the league have talked about how Giannis strikes that defensive fear in your heart as a coach when it comes to him in open court and transition.
2: And the other thing, too, is that he has so much room to grow, even still. He's not really much of a jump shooter, even as a wing. As someone who occasionally plays point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks, he, he doesn't even shoot that much. And so he has this game that, to me, is perfect for the social media era. To me, why he's a perfect candidate for this is you, you mentioned the lack of international stuff. I don't really think that matters in kind of the, the, the modern media game. I don't think there are, there are a group of basketball fans that, well, we, we care more about the Americans. No, to me, it's who produces the most in terms of of, you know uh, highlights in terms of these incredible performances, and and I I don't think the the international thing matters. The other thing with him too is that we talked about market size with Anthony Davis in New Orleans. Giannis has, be, has become a famous basketball player playing for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think that just sort of <laughs> shines through yeah. his his sort of his incredible personality, his sort of his optimism and positivity. I don't think you need to necessarily be a sort of polarizing character. You just need to be a character. And I think from the moment he jumps into the league, gets known as the Greek freak and lives up to it every single night by producing one of these incredible highlight plays, by being a point guard, I think he is very well positioned, particularly age 23. He'll be 24 in December. He he still has so much of a way to go. And and, and again, this is another one for me the next big step for him is finding a big-time teammate, playing on a big-time team that's actually going to compete at the highest level, that is, that's is—that's what stopped him so far. But I think he is very well-poised to kind of take on this mantle that we've been talking about.
1: But can he let me, be let me that jump in. Let me, me jump ahead. in real quick and
0: respond to that too, Woody, because I, I agree with you a, a lot. But I do think there's a difference in the delineation between – being a superstar and being my superstar. I think a lot of people realize that, yes, Giannis, despite not being, a lot of people not being able to pronounce his last name, he has a great nickname, the Greek Freak. So that, that takes care of that and mitigates that. But I also think, like, a lot of people look at Russell Westbrook. He's my so – you, you claim Russell Westbrook. You wear his jersey. You sort of take on his persona and those kind of things. I think we all sort of admire Giannis from afar. He's a guy that's sort of uh, on TV, sort of out there. But in terms of personifying and and, and bringing his characteristics into what you do when you go on the court and do those kind of things, Steph Curry, a lot of kids in this country believe that they are Steph Curry when they go on the basketball court. And I'm not sure if Giannis has gotten to that point yet, but I do think he's in the discussion, obviously because we're having it uh, as being a guy that's certainly in, in position to try to make that kind of run.
2: I think he represents all the 6'11 point guards out there. I think they, they're all <laughs> on the playground right now, emulating Giannis.
1: Well, I, you know, you mentioned Milwaukee, um, Chris, and and you know that's to me again one of the questions here is you know can you attract? I mean, if, if we're going to look at their roster right now and, and say this roster as currently constituted is a good roster, but not a championship level roster, are they going to be able to build that kind of roster in Milwaukee where he stays there? Long term, right? Because, I mean, you look at some of the other players that he's got on that team. I mean, Jabari Parker has been slowed by the injuries. And, you know, now we're starting to see a little bit more of the two of them together. They've got, you know, a young guy in Maker who they're trying to develop in, into a, you know, a cornerstone uh, big for them. And then they make the trade for Bledsoe. I just wonder what the upside for him is going to be in milwaukee and you know can you know look lebron cleveland is not a glamorous market either but lebron managed to transcend that we talked about the two guys in oklahoma city managing to transcend that so maybe Giannis can do it i just wonder is Giannis going to get to the point where he's so good that he can carry a team to the finals out of milwaukee or is he going to need ultimately to go somewhere else to become sort of the face of the nba
2: it might get to a point where he might have to leave and go elsewhere. I think it'll be curious to see if maybe this new arena can help them in terms of drawing players in. But uh, in terms of the roster as it currently stands, it really I, – I, I thought they were on their way – to building a, a team that can compete. They trade for Eric Bledsoe midseason. They have Jabari Parker, and it really has been the failure of Jabari Parker to develop that's kind of held them back to a certain extent. They have Brogdon. This should be a team that's kind of competing in that area. Perhaps they were held back by their coach. I kind of thought that Milwaukee was going to make this ascent, because and, and I thought of this from a heat point of view, who are the teams that I think could be better than Miami, and I always thought Milwaukee was going to kind of be in the upper echelon of the conference, not just kind of, you know, d- drifting above where Miami is, and they just have never, they just haven't kicked on, and I don't know if that's Giannis's fault necessarily, or if, the, if it's sort of a failure of team building, but like with New Orleans, I think the degree of difficulty becomes harder when you don't nail all of your draft picks in order to be in that, in that upper echelon, so I do think it can be tough, and perhaps we're looking at a scenario where in a few years' time Giannis is going somewhere else to accomplish this as being kind of the the, the face of the league.
0: And you hope it doesn't always come to that, though, because I think one of the advantages that, you know, speaking of another guy, uh, you know, the unicorn in, in New York there, he had a chance to get drafted by a marquee franchise that's anchored right in the heart and soul of the NBA, you know, when it comes to where he's playing. And so Giannis is going to be a guy that has to get to a market like that. I hope that doesn't have to be the case. What I am impressed by with Milwaukee is that they have been aggressive in terms of seeking trades. Uh, They got the Bledsoe deal pulled off. They have been sort of aggressive in terms of keeping the guys that they drafted in the lottery. And that just so happens that some guys got hurt and some guys didn't work out. But Chris Middleton was a was a was a solid developmental option that they ended up paying, and now you know he's starting to put some numbers up that you sort of hope that he will put up after a slow start. So they have the pieces there. They just need the 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 veteran superstar that they can come in in free agency, and that's the one thing that New Orleans, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, and a lot of other these these uh, smaller markets have a problem with. Memphis included is when it comes free agency time, not a lot of guys that are in their prime. And are in demand across the league are making decisions to go to those kind of markets.
1: All right, let's get to the third guy on our list, and we're talking about personality and whether or not Anthony Davis and Giannis have the kind of personalities that will attract, you know, the social media generation, the younger generation that will be polarizing figures. This guy doesn't have any problem with that, and to me, this is the single biggest reason that I think Joel Embiid, other than obviously his talent, which is considerable, you know, could become the face of the NBA. I mean, after you know the slow start because of the injuries and missing all that time, we've seen on the court what Embiid can do. Again, like Anthony Davis, a guy who can play inside, outside, can take over a game. Last night, made a big shot against the Cavs late in the game to kind of seal that thing, not afraid to take a shot. Says it, said, said after the game that that was his Kobe thing, that nobody else was going to take a shot in that situation. <laughs> so he's got, he's, got a, he's got a little, little of that arrogance. He, he, I mean, he recruited, he was recruiting LeBron, to Philadelphia, in I mean, when Philadelphia was still on the very, very early stages of its process, right, as you know, 2016, I believe, or it might have been even earlier than that, uh, where he was trying to get him to come to to Philadelphia. He gets in fights with other big guys on social media around the NBA. He's in Fantastic. one. He's been in one with Hassan Whiteside. I mean, all of this stuff. I mean, he's the typical social media new generation star. And he's playing in – in unlike these first two guys we're talking about, New Orleans and, and Milwaukee, he's playing in a more you know traditional NBA market in Philadelphia with a team that's clearly on the rise. Now, my only question on this one, guys, is, is this. Can you be the face of, of the league if you have another young guy on your team who is – potentially as good as you or maybe at times better than you in Ben Simmons that that would be the only thing that would be holding me back but other than that I think Joel Embiid has a real chance to sort of step through on this
0: and see Ethan here you go man you buried the lead you forgot to mention his clap back on Rihanna (laughs) That's the one thing that made him an international superstar when it came to that on social media, man. So, you know, she sort of blew him off several years ago when he was in the process of recovering from all those injuries. And now he became an all-star this year, and he had a chance on national TV to go back at her. So, you know, that was uh, one of the things about his personality that you just love. He's a funny guy. What this reminds me of more so than anything is, and you brought up an excellent point, can he sort of overcome the presence of Ben Simmons being right there who is just as promising, just as young and on the rise as well. I think the one thing that, that Ben Simmons lacks that Embiid has is personality and ability to want to be in the center of the attention and the spotlight. It reminds me so much of what we saw in the young version of the Shaq and Penny Orlando magic where Shaq was this gregarious guy always out there before the social media era on rap albums with Mickey Mouse doing all of these things that just made you want to embrace him. Whereas Penny was the quiet superstar who never really said anything. Most people didn't know what Penny even sounded like from a voice standpoint until he was on that commercial with Chris Rock. And then it was Chris Rock's voice that stole the show. So I think there's going to be that dynamic as we see these two young guys come up. But certainly Embiid has all the things going for him from market in terms of Philadelphia, passionate, uh, passionate fan base. And, and his game, he's, got, he's going to be the best center in the league uh, in the next two or three years if he's not that already.
2: He has so much going for him. To me, when you you start off first with the basketball aspect of it, not only is he an incredible basketball player, but he is representative of of a multitude of things. Number one, the shifting role of the big man in the modern NBA. He is exactly what you would want as a rim-protecting, three-point shooting, skilled big man, a seven-footer who is great on both ends of the floor. That's number one. Number two, he is representative of the process. And, you know, as as much as the process has been discussed, he is kind of the representation of what that was meant to produce. And, and I think that having been one of the biggest NBA storylines for 5 years now this team that was tanking to get superstars and the fact that Joel Embiid might represent that strategy working and that he's it's almost like this cult in Philadelphia of fans who have, who want this to work and perhaps it did by virtue of him and to me the thing that most is in his favor in terms of being the star of the next decade is he understands that the NBA, like you mentioned with the Rihanna thing, that the NBA is an all-encompassing entertainment experience. It is not a basketball league. It
1: is an. All- this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited.
2: working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All-encompassing entertainment experience that, frankly... The basketball at times is a sideshow for the stuff that happens on social media, for the stuff that happens, you know, with highlights and you know, uh, and and recruitment to to get people to come to your city and all these other things that happen in the NBA that build the narrative, that build the storyline. And Joel Embiid is so good at that for the number of athletes that you know have their image manicured by these PR professionals that just you know, suck the life out of, uh, out of a human being. Joel Embiid has rejected all of that and said, you know what, I'm just going to be myself. And if my comment shows up on someone else's Instagram post and someone else sees it and screen grabs it and writes a blog post about it, then you know what, that was just me being me. And if, you know, I, if I'm going to make a joke at Hassan Whiteside's expense and it's going to lead to three days worth of conversation ahead of a heat game, let's do it. Let's have some fun. And I think there are so few athletes that are willing to stick their face in that, and Embiid does, man. And I think that's so perfect for the direction that the league has been heading for the last six or seven years. He's perfectly positioned to be one of the main characters in the league, along with one of its best players.
1: Now, what happens, Chris, if LeBron ends up there in Philadelphia? Because we've talked oh, about man. that on pre on pre oh. on previous pods. Now how now how now. How- how how does that affect? Because uh, we talk about Simmons being there already, and I agree with Mike. I mean, you're, you're talking about a personality dynamic there, where Embiid would be the guy who would be at the forefront, even if you know Simmons is posting nightly triple doubles. I, I still think it would be Embiid because of his personality. But if LeBron goes there, you get the bump, obviously, in terms of being on national TV to the limit, right? Like as many games as can as a team can have on national television, the Sixers would have. On national television, you you get the bump of probably going to the finals in the Eastern Conference, right? Or, or you know, at least facing, a, you know, a Boston team potentially in the Eastern Conference finals, you know, for years to come. And then you have that Philly-Boston rivalry, which is, you know, which was one of the best rivalries of the 80s, which is kind of reignited. So you, you're going to get that kind of bump. I guess the question would be, would Embiid be able to sort of step out of LeBron's shadow while LeBron was still playing at you know a a superhuman level, the type of level that he's been playing at at lately. Do do you think that would have would the would the net effect be positive on Embiid or would it be negative?
2: Oh, I think it'd be positive because it's the ultimate anointment. Of Joel Embiid, right? Because why else would LeBron go there? LeBron's going there to play with Joel Embiid and play with Ben Simmons and play with this up and coming team. And if LeBron decides out of the other, you know, 29 teams in the league, this is the one that I want to be with because they represent sort of the, the most in the future. What is that, if not an endorsement of Joel Embiid? And I think they kind of join forces and become this incredible basketball team to to both watch and play with in terms of LeBron James actually teaming up with a group of young players. LeBron has yet to do that in his career. Yes, he kind of anoints Kyrie Irving by joining him and and kind of keeping him in terms of becoming the GM of the Cavs and deciding to keep Kyrie Irving in that setup. But then that all breaks up, so he's no longer kind of that anointed one. If LeBron decides to use the latter stages of his career to join join it with a young team that is the ultimate
1: endorsement of those young players all right let's get to our fourth guy and I know this is somebody that Chris wanted to argue for a little bit I was surprised how young Kyrie Irving still is uh 25 years old (laughs) right Uh, I mean it feels like he's been through a lifetime of stuff up there already you know starts his career in the post LeBron era with you know not a very good team I mean a lot of draft mistakes that were made in Cleveland doesn't fit very well with Dion Waiters, does a lot of losing, gets hurt, you know, gets to play with LeBron, somebody who was elevated by LeBron into those kind of moments, came through in a lot of those moments, particularly in the finals, in that game seven, that Cleveland wins. And now he goes to Boston as the face of that franchise, you know, along with once Gordon Hayward comes back and, and whatever other moves that Danny Ainge decides to make. You want to make the case, Chris, that you think that Kyrie Irving can be that guy in, in a post-LeBron era or a fading LeBron era.
2: Yeah, and it, it is kind of crazy that you mentioned that sort of he's been through several narrative arcs just over the course of his career. The early one was that, you know, he was always getting injured, and then, you know, what was he, you know, good enough to play with LeBron, then he gets hurt in that finals. To me, the reason why I think he has to be mentioned in this conversation is because he's currently leading a team that's near the top of the Eastern Conference. They're going to get Gordon Hayward back and probably be even better and I just think, you know, he's only 25, and he has by far the best pedigree of any young player currently in the league. There is no other player who is 25 and under that has had even close to the moments that Kyrie Irving has had in the NBA Finals, multiple 40-point games, hitting the shot to win the championship for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And as much as there are times over the course of his career that I've doubted the impact That Kyrie Irving has in terms of actually helping a team win. I don't think once you have moments in the finals where you prove that you are a go to guy, that you can be doubted at any point and saying, Oh, I don't know about him anymore. He is a guy that is worthy of that sort of status as a finals level contributor that we just haven't seen from any of the other young players they were talking about because it's been Golden State and Cleveland so often in these conversations at the end of the postseason it can really only be players from those teams and I think Kyrie Irving is well worth his value in terms of being that player it's him and really Kawhi Leonard in terms of younger players that that are in the league right now that have done it at that stage.
0: Yeah, and Kawhi is a guy that, you know, sort of like Kyrie. I, I, well, let me let me break down Kyrie first. Um you're right. When you look at how young he is, Ethan, you pointed that out, and then Chris you talked about everything that he's accomplished within that that short window. And and basically, you got to write off his first 2 years essentially because he didn't do anything in Cleveland those first 2 years and didn't turn the corner until LeBron came back 3 years ago, really. But the one thing I love about Kyrie is his game. I think that speaks volumes. I don't think I, I know he's found his game and what his purpose is on the court. I don't think he found his voice yet in terms of being able to be a guy that dictates the direction of a franchise and I think he has a chance to do that in Boston I know Boston has embraced him we were just there two games ago uh, over the weekend and you see the Kyrie Irving jerseys out there just like you used to see the Paul Pierce jerseys and the Kevin Garnett jerseys you see guys wanting to do the crossovers so his game does have that social media impact and it's clippable and gifable, or gifable however you want to pronounce it um, <laughs> because you can have those clips and with the, with the crossovers and those kind of things But I want to see him get sort of towards that Isaiah Thomas level where other teams basically fear and and look at him as manipulative and calculating in terms of how he goes about operating his business on the court. I want to see that killer instinct, you know, sort of where he goes out there and is is viewed as an assassin more so because of his demeanor as much as his game. And, And I think shaping the direction or helping Danny Ainge shape the direction of what that franchise is, one of the most historic franchises that the league has ever seen. Once he gets to that level, then you're starting to talk about the LeBron James impact that goes with that total package of being not just a player, but a player on and off the floor.
1: I think one of the things about Kyrie, you know, that I noticed the year that I was covering the Cavaliers, which was LeBron's first year back there, is that, you know, it kind of depends on what day you catch him. And, you know, I don't know if he has the appetite to do the things that, say, LeBron has done in terms of not, you know, not just being uh, the key guy on the floor but also sort of taking the slings and arrows off of it. And being the guy who's out there in terms of, you know, dealing with the media and express, expressing his beliefs and all of that. You know, Kyrie, the year that I was up there, you know, he ducked from the media basically the entire year. Now, and I know he's done more lately, you know, on the whole flat earth thing, right? And they, I, I guess he was on Jimmy Kimmel recently. And he sort of put himself out there a little bit more. But Kyrie's reputation with his teammates was that he could be surly, that he could be a little bit aloof, right? Very bright but at the same time, you know, not always that engaging. And so, you know, I wonder if that's something that will hurt him. Because we talk about the first three guys on this list, you know, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and Embiid, and for different reasons, but all of them kind of have very positive personalities, right? Like, I'm again, nobody's really ever said a negative thing about Anthony Davis. Uh, Giannis is as positive as you could possibly be. Embiid, even when he's getting in these little turf wars on Twitter, is funny and engaging and all that. Now, I think Kyrie has stepped out a little bit more lately and shown more of that positive side of his personality. But, uh, you know, I wonder if that's something that there's really more there for him to show going forward. The other thing about Kyrie is that I don't question whether or not he wants to you know, to be great in the big moments. I think he's, as Chris says, he's proven that. My question is whether or not Kyrie can make his teammates better in the way that LeBron has typically been able to elevate some teammates over the, over his career. You know, Kyrie, as I mentioned earlier, very ball dominant, not a big assist guy. I mean, he, to me, he's, he's always been more Iverson than he's been point guard. And so, you know, is he going to be a guy who, you know, right now he's averaging 25 points a game and five assists, right? He's never going to be your traditional point guard in that regard. Is he a guy that other players are going to want to play with as he gets into, you know, as he's 27, 28, 29 years old, beyond whatever, you know, Danny Ainge is able to do in the draft. I think that's one of the questions with him too.
0: And to answer that question and, and, you know, having just saw Boston up close, you know, the other other day uh, in Boston, I think what's going to help Kyrie along those uh, lines, Ethan, is the fact that Brad Stevens runs a system that makes everyone else efficient as well. Like, the way that they move off the ball, the way that they do share the ball in stretches when Kyrie is not on the floor, the way that they typically like to play and the style that he demands that they play on both ends of the court is going to accentuate several other players on that team. I mean, Al Horford doesn't jump out at you statistically, but at the end of the night, when you look at his box score and he's flirting with the triple-double and he's getting you three or four steals and two or three uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, blocks and that kind of thing, you realize, wow, man, he hurt us more than I thought he hurt us. And when you have a lot of guys on the team that are capable of doing that, I think that's going to sort of help elevate Kyrie. And I think that's what the question is. Can Kyrie elevate those guys on Boston? I think he has the perfect situation for that supporting cast to elevate him. And we haven't even seen Boston reach its full potential yet until Gordon Hayward comes back and plays with that same unit right there as well. So I think Kyrie's numbers go up even further. Because I think they help him become more of a closer and sort of that Isaiah Thomas role, and they take over maybe during the middle stretches of games. But it's a perfect mix, a perfect blend of personalities, system, and superstar potential and superstar player in uh, Kyrie Irving. Boston has a complete mix right now to me to be a team that's going to be on the rise and dominant for maybe the next five, six years, not just the next two or three.
2: The only drawback for me is that Boston had to give up the Brooklyn pick in order to do all this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, who is that Brooklyn pick going to be this year? Because now it's looking like it's going to be seven as opposed to top three because, you know, with the way the, uh, the lottery shapes out,
2: but Brooklyn keeps losing inexplicably. They play all these tanking teams and they're still losing. I don't understand they're that bad. They're actually level in terms of losses with the Orlando Magic who currently have the worst record in the league. So I mean Brooklyn can kind of be in that conversation. They're nine and they're they're one and nine in their last ten. So Brooklyn Brooklyn that that pick can still be right right in there for, for best in the league.
0: Now, if you look at it though, if you look at it, and, and I'm speaking from the perspective of a team that's even below that, <laughs> you know, yeah, sorry, exactly. Yeah. 11, 11, Eleven straight, and so this is something that that I've studied over the last month of the season. Uh, <laughs> there, there are like eight teams that are locked within two games of one another. Yep. So, yes, Brooklyn can have one of the worst, or second worst, or third worst record, but they can ju- they can drop all the way to seven or eight yep. when it comes to how the lottery seeds come out. So that Brooklyn pick that's been we we've been discussing as the most the Brooklyn pick has been the second most dominant player in the league behind LeBron
2: James <laughs> the last five years,
0: <laughs> and uh, it's going to probably end up being somebody like some, some guy like Mo Bamba or Jaren Jackson Jr. And <laughs> we're going to all have a laugh and a stogie after that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, let's get let's get to uh, to number five on our list, and and yes. rather than try yes. to just identify. Uh, one player that, that this could be going forward, um, and we've talked about Anthony Davis, Giannis Embiid, and Irving so far. Let, let's get to uh, a collection of players. And, Mike, I think you wanted to lead on this. Let's just call it the field of, yeah. of guys that, that somebody from this group could emerge as sort of the number one guy going forward.
0: See, there's a reason to me, Ethan, why why this is such a an engaging discussion, debate, because it's it's relative, but it's also not an easy Debate to make. I mean, the next LeBron James can mean so many different things. And to me, guys who have gotten the chance to cover and know LeBron as professionally, uh, as close as most people or other people would, you know, it's more than just about being the player. You know, it also means shaping the direction of the league. You know, LeBron James is at the forefront of changing the all-star game alongside Steph Curry with the way it was chosen this past year. LeBron James is at the forefront of the social media justice movement when it came to taking that photo in Miami with the hoodies on alongside Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam and other guys that did that for the Trayvon Martin thing. You know, LeBron James set the agenda and was the first player on record. Ethan, you were in it, we had just gone to the Soul Food place in Charlotte. We covered that game, and then LeBron, the first thing he wanted to talk about was Donald Sterling has to go. You were in the Mm -hmm. locker room when he said that as well. And then, uh, you know, within within three months, Donald Sterling was out of the league having sold his team. So what players have that kind of cachet to do that in addition to be a a major star? It's just not going to come along often. Magic and Bird dominated and transcended figures because they came along at the television explosion of the NBA. Michael Jordan was able to be a transcendent figure because he came along at the shoe endorsement explosion in the NBA. He was the face of that part of it. LeBron obviously is at the forefront of the social media explosion. I don't know if the next group of guys are going to be able to do that from a social standpoint, but the field that I'm looking at, I see Jalen Brown. Check out Jalen Brown in terms of the things that he talks about off the floor in terms of social justice, education. Um, He's very, very thoughtful. He was one of the guys that was uh, speaking about LeBron James shut up and dribble, and he had the most eloquent come back to that whole debate as any players I've ever seen in the league. Plus he's a dynamic young prospect that plays on both ends of the floor. So look for him to be sort of the Kawhi Leonard with a personality uh, as he develops in the next two or three years in terms of his game and his off the court approach. The other guy here, Donovan Mitchell has superstar potential. I've said this during our production discussion about this. This guy reminds me of a cross between a Dwayne Wade and a Damian Lillard in terms of the way he plays his personality His flash, he goes above the rim. He's playing in Salt Lake City right now. But if you get him to a major market or on television more, I think his star only shines brighter and brighter. And here's the last guy I'm going to throw out there from the field. I know we can get to a couple of more. This situation is ready-made for Lonzo Ball to step in and become the next face of the league. He's playing for the Lakers, so they already have the tradition and the pedigree. He's playing out in Los Angeles, which is a Hollywood-driven, obviously, entertainment giant. He has the polarizing name, not only because of his father, but because of his brother. So even where he falls short in personality, he's compensating with it from his family standpoint. All he has to do is stay on the court, stay healthy, and play to an all-star level. And he's going to be elevated in the next wave of uh, young superstars in terms of what his true impact is. So I think Lonzo has the complete package around him. He just has to mature and grow into it from a player standpoint.
2: Yeah and last night against Miami uh, Luke Walton described him as the best player on the floor and kind of, and kind of has this remarkable stat line 8 points 6 rebounds 7 assists and 6 steals so you know he he is producing at at a level where you know you can you can see that in his future and definitely has that celebrity factor I just don't know if it's it's almost like a WWE wrestler with a manager. It's almost like the manager does all the talking, <laughs> and that manager is his father. Like he he, he doesn't nec- he, he doesn't necessarily have that personality in and of himself. I think in terms of the field, the guy who's most stepped onto the scene this year is Donovan Mitchell. In terms of single single handedly leading a team as a rookie to being in contention for the NBA playoffs, yes, the Utah Jazz have Rudy Gobert, and they're a decent team otherwise, but they're two, po- they're two games out of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference, and then to me... The big guy that gets underrated, and this is also market size, this is another manicured personality thing, is Carl anthony Towns. Uh, and leading a team that's third in the Western Conference right now, kind of the, the best of the rest in that field. To me, the thing, though, in terms of if, if we are to, to, to sort of examine the entirety of the league, it is kind of amazing, though, how many of the current stars are kind of in their prime right now. And there aren't any kind of lower, not lower level, but kind of younger players that are leading teams that are competing for championships right now. And that I think is why we're asking this question is because there isn't an obvious answer in terms of the teams that are at the top of the standings in either conference. So Toronto is led by DeRozan, age 28, Lowry, age 31. Uh, Obviously, the Golden State Warriors, they're led by Steph Curry, age, I think he's 29. Uh, Kevin Durant is, uh, yeah, Curry is 29. Durant is also 29. Uh, Russell Westbrook is also 29. Uh, James Harden is 28. Uh, Chris Paul is in his 30s. And so, and then obviously, you know, LeBron and, and Kevin Love, they're all, you know, late 20s, early 30s. There isn't really a team right now that's competing for the championship that we know is going to be in and around that territory, except for maybe Kyrie. Uh, that's that sort of in, in that top echelon of the league that is sort of 25 and younger. So I think that's kind of where this conversation you know, becomes a little bit more open-ended. To me, I would say the best of the field are either Carl Anthony Towns. We haven't mentioned Porzingis that much because he's hurt. I think Porzingis has that kind of incredible quality, that watchable quality, and also Donovan Mitchell. Those, those to me are, are the best of the field for me right now.
1: And you mentioning those ages, Chris, I think is important because th- one of the things about this is that LeBron is not at a stage where he's in full decline yet, right? So, I mean, he's still playing at an extraordinarily high level in his 15th season, and so you know, a lot of people may be listening to this and say, "Well, why wouldn't you say that James Harden is next, or that you know or that even Curry is next, okay, or Damian Lillard is next?" But the the problem with all of those guys is that they're playing in LeBron's era. When LeBron is still playing at, at a high level and has made himself more of a force and more of a voice off the court than he's ever been, so it, it's a lot like guys who played in Jordan's era who were great, right? Like Clyde Drexler, and you know, and and you know, you can go to Reggie Miller, Patrick Ewing. I mean, a whole a whole list of guys. Gary Payton, you know, even to even to to a degree, Charles Barkley. Although he certainly made you know he he made himself heard when he was playing. Carl Malone, but the you know these were all great great players but never really the face of the league because they crossed you know our consciousness at the same time that Jordan was still at his peak. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of these guys. And that's why we're looking younger, because under the assumption that that LeBron is not going to sort of cede his throne here for another two or three years. And then, you know, we're talking about guys like Durant already at that stage being 31, 32 years old.
2: Can I just very quickly make a point, which is that you mentioned that this mm-hmm. is the LeBron era to me even more than that. This is the super team era. And so the reason why I think we're talking about players that are 28-29 is because you really don't hit major free agency until year 7 or year 8. And so I think one of the things that's come up a lot is oh, these these guys don't have that superstar teammate or that super team-level team that surrounds them in order to really step up into the top echelon of the league. So in the super team era, it's going to take players eight years before they're actually in and around that title conversation because they can create it of their own accord. So unless the super teams are broken up, or there's one that develops organically, there isn't really going to be a team that's good enough to compete with Golden State or Houston or Cleveland for a title.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, again, you look at some of these other guys, we're really projecting. I mean, when Mike is talking about Donovan Mitchell, we've seen some of those skills this year. Clearly, averaging 19 points a game, has Utah in the playoff picture in the Western Conference. But, you know, we're really projecting what he's going to become. I mean, a couple of other guys here you could add to the list. I mean, Bradley Beale is still only 24 years old, right? And this is, you know, in terms of the way he's played without John Wall this year, averaging 24 points a game. You know, he's someone who's sort of, you know, become like now it's clear he's he's a star level, potentially superstar level player. Another one to look at Devin Booker's 21. Now, (laughs) he's got a lot of work to do on the defensive end and he's playing for a franchise where somebody has to score. But still, you know, shooting 38 percent from three and averaging 25 points a game, there could be a lot more growth. Devin Booker's game, particularly as he gets better teammates around him. So I do think that there are a lot of options to kind of be next. But I think Mike hit it on the head earlier. The problem for all of these guys in terms of being the next LeBron is that LeBron is not one thing, right? I mean, it's not just about that transcendent ability on the court, but it's the way that LeBron has grown into being a force off the court as well, whether it is the social justice stuff or whether it is, you know, affecting the league and the way that the league operates and the way that the, the player management dynamic is perceived. I mean that's all LeBron, right? And that's been something that he's gotten more and more comfortable in his own skin doing that. I remember Mike when he came to Miami, you know, especially that first year, you know, I felt he was a little bit adrift, right? Like I mean he he was going I mean you and you and I were there every day. He was going into other markets. He was getting booed vociferously in places like Portland where you are right now in Memphis I remember him getting crazy booze there in a place that he was never going to play right it's not like he spurned them in free agency like that wasn't (laughs) wasn't an option and and LeBron I thought was very uncomfortable in his own skin that first year in Miami because he never he'd always sort of wanted to be the sunny personality I mean he was not Kobe in that regard and he had to play the villain that year and, and i don 't think you know that he really found his voice until a couple of things happened. First, he won the championship, which kind of made him bulletproof to a lot of the criti- crazy criticism that had come in against him. Also you know he, he went out and hired somebody in Adam Mendelssohn, who I think helped sort of cultivate his image a little bit in terms of s- helping to steer him. The right direction, but but it takes players a long time, and you have to go through a lot of sort of adversity, negative stuff, the criticism before you kind of find your voice. And we'll have to see which of these guys uh, goes through that, and whether they come out on the other side feeling as powerful as LeBron feels now.
0: Yeah, no question about that, Ethan. You brought up a great point, and I think LeBron was always going to be a, a superstar, and one of the greatest players in this league. He was that before he even came to Miami. But what I thought that he he, he discovered in Miami. Was he knew what he finally figured out what the price to where the crown was going to be? We call him King James. He was King James coming to Miami. He was King James since he was 16. But I don't think he ever understood the weight that comes with that crown until he saw the other side of the impact of some of the decisions that he made. Speaking of the decision to come to Miami. And once he got a taste of what that was like, what it was like to be completely polarizing, what it was like to have, uh, you know, basically the entire league or many in the league going against you, criticizing everything. And you'll agree with this because you were right there as well. Both of you guys were. It didn't really start to sink in and really hurt LeBron until he never got the warm embrace from Jordan, until guys like Chris Webber and Charles Barkley and all Scottie Pippen and all these guys he looked up to sort of ripped him for going to Miami. And he was like, man, I modern my game or pattern my game after all you guys. All I wanted to do was just be one of you guys, and you all are rejecting me. So I think that took LeBron to a dark place. That first year ended with him losing in the finals to Dallas and sort of petering out. Um, and Then he had to go off by himself for two, three, four weeks and lock himself up and, and grew out his hair and all of that kind of thing. So I think that changed him, and I think that steeled him, to use a Pat Riley phrase, to become the person that he is both on and off the court that we see today.
1: Thanks to Mike Wallace. Again, you can find him at what's, – uh, what's the Twitter handle these days? My, at my Mike Check, correct?
0: Uh, It hasn't changed. Same number, same hood. It's all good, as Biggie would say. All
1: right, we'll get to the jazz music for next time. You can follow at Chris Winningham, at Ethan J. Skolnick. As I said, we're always on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And be sure to download previous episodes and make suggestions for future episodes. Have a great day.